Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We've got a guest with us today. We got Alan Atchison. Alan, thank you for joining me and being willing to discuss the Southern Baptist Convention and whatever else we get into. Well, I appreciate you having me, and there is certainly a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, you haven't been on the show before. We've talked a, a few times more recently, uh, but I've been familiar with your blog since I think. Honestly, I think it was like right after Resolution 9 or right before Resolution 9. Uh, we don't even call it the SBC convention anymore. We just call it Resolution 9 <laughs> uh, from 2019. Um, but before that, I think you were blogging about like sports and other things. And somehow now you're like the go-to guy for like what's the latest in the SBC. So um, and, and I'm, I think your numbers are like ex they exceed the other more progressive like SBC voices and some of these other blogs that no one reads. Uh, but I, so here, here's the thing I wanted to find out, first of all, how did you get into this? Cause I don't even know this story. Well, uh, I guess it was about 2015, uh, certainly by 2016, I started detecting there's something wrong with what Russell Moore is saying. So I started writing about this. I, I wasn't, it, the more I researched, the more I thought, no, th th there's significant issues with Russell Moore and you could start seeing some of the connections where you started seeing, well, he's advocating policies that are not necessarily conservative. And so I started writing about that and I got a lot of reaction. And the more pushback you would get from some of the more leftist woke folks that as we would know them now, I, I just got more committed to doing it. They just want to silence any dissent. And so instead of engaging the dialogue, which could have taken place back 2015, 2016, 2017, they just wanted everybody to be quiet. Well, that doesn't work with me. I tend to, that tends to make me want to talk more. So I just kept doing it. And certainly I think that by the 2019 convention, that was that turning point with Resolution 9, because finally it validated everything that uh, a lot of us had been saying that critical race theory and social justice had taken over the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. Well, your, uh, your website is Capstone Report. People can go check out your articles. You come out sometimes with like five a day. Like you're really on top of what's going on. Um, I don't know how you do it with, uh, you know, just a family and I don't know, everything else, but you're, you're quick. That's the other thing I've noticed. You're quick and you, you get the information out there. So um, I just want to say thank you from me and from others who have benefited from that. Uh, you, you are doing a service. And I think um, at, at this past convention, especially in the Southern Baptist uh, world, uh, your influence meant something. It really did. And so uh, um, I want to talk about where the SBC is at now and kind of because like you could literally sit here for like three hours probably talking about this. I don't want to do that, but like kind of just give me like the high points. Like where's the SBC at right now? And I know you're a conservative you're probably discouraged by what just happened. What do you think now, though, that Ed Litton's being kind of pursued by people that normally wouldn't say anything, but now all of a sudden, and I know all the woke stuff didn't seem to phase him, but all of a sudden, plagiarism is now like taking him out, kind of, for lack of a better term. What do you think? What's going on? Well, I think we're in a, like a stage five, stage five dumpster fire in the Southern Baptist Convention. It is a total disaster, and it's become this total disaster because it's the, the 11th commandment has been the controlling thing. So the leadership had decided to go down this woke path and they did not allow dissent. What happened is it platformed a lot of people 
apparently like Ed Litton, who's willing to repeat anything that is finds uh, approval with uh, other Southern Baptist entity heads. And so um, that's how we got, I think, Ed Litton. He said the things that people wanted to hear. He was the kind of grandfatherly figure that could be managed. So I think that's where we are right now. And unfortunately, a lot of that was just a veneer. It was a facade that uh, he covered up a lack of theological depth um, and some other serious faults. And I think that's what people are alarmed about. Um, it's The hypocrisy is at this point from Ed Litton and his enablers just too clear. When there's ambiguity there and they can say, well, we're just applying critical race theory, we're not teaching it or something along those lines, people can make excuses. But when you see a 25 minute long video like dropped last night from some uh, anonymous YouTube user, it, it just hits you in the face. He's copying word for word. He's delivering like an actor. How many are we up to now? Uh, I, I, that's a good question. I think maybe six sermons that have six? been documented. I think there's six, most in Romans. And then the one that we wrote about from uh, Acts that Greer pe preached in 2013 and uh, Lytton preached in 2015. That to me was, that was an eye-opening thing because at first it was limited to the um, uh, Roman series. And that was the narrative that they were pushing. But we know it's far more extensive than that. The question really, I think everyone's asking is, who else did Lytton copy from? And we don't have an answer to that yet. I think it's going to be harder because they made a lot of stuff disappear, which is constantly, I mean, you want to talk about honest conduct, let's cover up the evidence. That probably speaks more about the lack of character and virtue amongst the Lytton and his supporters than anything else. Instead of just owning up to something, they deleted or tried to hide all the evidence. Uh, how, how many lies have been documented uh, in trying to hide evidence or, or get pressure off them uh, from this whole uh, plagiarism controversy? Because um, I do know that he had you know, said one thing on like a, I think a, I remember it was some, I can't even keep track. There's been so main, many mainstream media stories. It was a mainstream media story. They said one thing. And then he said something else different to someone else. So, so how many lies are we talking about? Well, that's a good question. And I haven't counted them up, but yeah, he, he told the Washington Times, well, we're, we, the, the sermons were removed for web space issues. We're migrating to a new web serving environment. And previously to that, just like the day before, Baptist Press had run a statement from the Redemption Church elders saying they took them down because they didn't want anybody going through them, taking things to malign their pastor. Uh, so those things don't mesh. They're not accurately or they don't work together. Either you took yeah. them down for renovation for your website or you took them down to cover up the evidence and not so he wouldn't look bad. So then he goes on SBC this week and he compounds the lie because he tells us, no, no, no. Both of those things are true. That was the, that was, I, so. I, 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 both, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. They were renovating the website. So he had to take sermons down from YouTube. Again, it's one of those things that doesn't make sense. And also. Not buying it. it, it I, I don't either. But 
even if they were going through this type of transition, which probably, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they are, but that's a lie of omission. When you tell the Washington Times, no, 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 these things came down because we're going through a website renovation, but the other people on staff told the truth, probably to Baptist Press, uh, he's just being so Clintonian at this moment. Okay, I just, I just remembered something. When Southeastern did this, do you remember this was, what, two years ago now when they took out a bunch of Kingdom Diversity stuff? Like 90% of Kingdom Diversity stuff was scrubbed. And there's yes. still some videos out there and stuff of, of some of the crazy things that were going on there. But that was the, the same reasoning that was used. It was, oh, well, that's a website renovation that we're doing right now. But the interesting thing was they didn't take down everything. Some of the articles were still there. It's like 90% were gone. And, and, and they, I think maybe they did do a website renovation, but it was, it was awfully convenient at the very moment they're being challenged and they're being exposed all of a sudden website renovation. Uh, it, it, it just, I see the same thing happening again. And it, this is what's leading some people who have just been paying attention over the last few years to conclude these guys are all corrupt. This is just a corrupt enterprise. You, you get the sense people think that about the upper echelons of the SBC. Uh, I get that sense, and they aren't doing anything to discourage that view. Uh, look at uh, look at the conduct, whether it's the North American Mission Board or our, a couple of seminary professors and presidents excusing blatant plagiarism. I mean, it it's clear what I think Bart Barber had a video that came out that he was saying, you know, I don't agree with what Litton said, but I don't want CBN getting you know, the vice president to become president because I don't like those guys. Uh, it's a total like ends justify the means argument that he was making, but he was saying out loud how they really feel. They want power and they're not going to share it with anyone. And that's so when people say it's corrupt, it's about money, it's about power. Well, good evidence there. Yeah, I think, and I don't think I saw that video, but uh, just for people who don't understand the situation, you have Ed Litton, who's kind of a social justice-minded, more progressive candidate who won uh, in uh, Nashville, the SBC presidency. And the vice president, though, uh, what's, his, what's his name again? Lee uh, Brand, I think. Lee Brand, right, Lee Brand. I've never met him or talked uh, to him, but I understand he's conservative. He was a conservative Baptist network guy. If, if Ed Litton vacates or resigns, whatever, uh, Lee Brand takes that position. And I, I know I had said on a video about a week ago, this is the moment. Like, I, you know, I, I made this video. I said, look, here's eight reasons to leave the SBC. But I, I wasn't expecting that literally right after the election, all of a sudden there's this huge controversy that people are even willing to chime in on who aren't willing to chime in on social justice. And it, the guns are all pointed uh, at the SBC president and not just him, but people who would defend him. Danny Aiken, um, is one of those guys. I know the provost, um, Keith Whitfield at Southeastern defended him. Uh, I don't, I remember there was like maybe six people upper echelon SBC guys. So, um, th this is certainly a turn of events that I was not expecting. And there's only one person I can think of. Maybe, you know, of more who is, could be considered an SBC elite, uh, and with the exception of maybe Rod Martin, but like actually like works for an entity, uh, and that's Jason Allen, who actually opposed the plagiarism. What do you think about that? What do you make of that, that Jason Allen is breaking ranks? That does not happen often. Uh, there is a, I think what we have to understand now about the SBC elites, there's a fracture in the hierarchy. 
uh, or the oligarchy. It's really an oligarchy that, that's kind of in control of things. And I think what you're seeing here is a fracture. Um, Al Mohler has been totally silent. Um, Aiken supported Lytton. Greenway retweeted a thing in support of Lytton, so we know where they stand. But, but Dr. Allen made a very brave statement saying, re-preaching sermons, particularly unattributed, is wrong. And of course, you notice the blow, there's immediate blowback from the woke uh, wing of the SPC, the Hillary Clinton voting Dwight McKissick uh, attacked Dr. Allen uh, for that very simple, and a few weeks ago, that would have been uncontroversial statement that you don't preach other people's sermons without proper attribution. So I think it does show there's a fracture going on because some people just can't they, they, they just are going to refuse to endorse such blatant hypocrisy because we, we know um, in our colleges and seminaries, people would be expelled for what Ed Litton did. They should be at least. Uh, or at least they would be disciplined. They yeah. would not be, they would not get away without any type of penalty. Why should Ed Litton be different? because he's a pastor and because he's woke, are we just going to give him a uh, get out of jail free card, so to speak? Yeah. So there has to be a consequence here. Um, okay. Let me ask you this. There's been, so, so I don't remember who it was. I don't even know if we know who it was who first kind of discovered, Hey, Ed Litton is taking from JD Greer and JD Greer was taking from Tim Keller. And it was this whole like God uh, whispers about sexual, the Bible whispers about sexual uh, immorality and um, I think actually, I think the phrase that they took was that heterosexuality uh, doesn't get you to heaven and, or home, something like that. Homosexuality uh, doesn't keep you from heaven and heterosexuality doesn't get you to heaven. And so someone just made that connection, right? They said, hey, there's a similarity between these sermons that led into, and that was like two weeks ago. Hey, hold on. Ed Litton copied this whole sermon that which led into, wait a minute. He copied like major portions of this whole series by JD Greer, which led into, it wasn't just this series by JD Greer. He copied another sermon by JD Greer unrelated, which is now led into, and this is the thing I want to ask you about a sermon pre preparation service <laughs> that apparently Matt Chandler and JD Greer both use and commend. What can you tell us about this? It's a very new development that uh, has kind of uh, a Patheos blog um, a few days ago found in the Wayback Machine on the Internet Archive, J.D. Greer endorsing Docent, uh, which provides some sort of um, illustration help, uh, historical help, uh, deep research to kind of help make sermons better, sort of uh, to add uh, vivid illustrations or more concrete historical examples. Uh, apparently, Matt Chandler um, has also utilized the service, and in fact, uh, Reformation Charlotte had tweeted out a video an hour or two be ago before uh, our interview showing uh, Matt Chandler endorsing it and explaining he may not understand um, the sociological issues or some other historical things going on, but the, the re that, that research service allows him to focus on the exegetical work. So, it's it's a very disturbing, I think, revelation that a lot of these megachurch pastors like Greer and Chandler have in the past, at least, and perhaps still currently, we don't know. I think they require NDAs or something like that if, to utilize their service. Um, 
but we really don't know what, uh, if they're still using it or not. And I think there, it, it raises a lot of questions about the messaging that Southern Baptists are hearing. Is this really um, uh, an exploration of God's word or is uh, this uh, something that uh, we don't know who is putting out and sending out to all of these pastors? You know, Alan, when I was in seminary at Southeastern years ago, I remember in preaching class, um, one of the questions that was asked uh, from our professor was, what, uh, you know, what pastors do you like? Who do you like? And we were encouraged to copy them. If you're purposely trying to copy someone's style, to dress like them, to talk like them, to uh, use their mannerisms, um, you're not yourself. There's something artificial about that. I saw that years ago in the incubation for Southern Baptist pastors, right? A seminary. And this, this was what was going on at that time. Uh, find, find a personality, find a guy you like and, and you know, act like him kind of thing. And, um, and, and so we, I think we can recognize there, there is an element of discipleship where you're going to become like the, the one who's tutoring you. But then there's also a fakeness that people have when they copy every element that they can of someone in the most unnatural way, because they think that's the only way to be recognized or accepted, uh, et cetera. It's not the Holy Spirit in the text of scripture, doing the hard work, diving into the text, being a Berean, uh, being a faithful workman who sh should not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But instead, I'm of Apollo, I'm of, you know, whoever, I'm of, uh, I'm of Greer in Lytton's case, and then preaching their whole sermons without doing the work yourself. It's, it's, th there's a difference there. And it's wrong to, to your flock to do that. Uh, it's wrong to those who are streaming online. Now, as he's a Southern Baptist Convention president, it's wrong to those who he leads in the Southern Baptist Convention for him to continue to do this, uh, which he probably won't now that he's been kind of caught with his hand in the cookie jar. But there's a culture of that. And that's all I want to get across is there's a culture that kind of can lend itself to that potentially in the SBC. And I wonder whether or not we're going to see a lot more examples of this kind of thing coming forward of people stealing sermons. Um, what can you tell me about the prospects for conservatives with this controversy? I mean, we were hopeless, right? Southern Baptist conservatives. Now, all of a sudden, there's this glimmer of hope. Will Ed Litton step down as a result of this? Will Lee Brand take over? Will Al Mohler somehow figure out a way to benefit himself in this? What's going to happen? We don't know yet. But I do think it illustrates something that conservatives are... Um, have to stay involved in some way because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow because after the election who would have thought we would be here just a couple of weeks later talking about led litton resign but here we are and he should resign he has disgraced himself he has disgraced his church and he's disgraced the southern baptist convention an honorable man would step down um He's not doing that. He's clinging to power, which says a lot more about his character and the character of the people who funded and promoted his campaign. They, they are committed to, I guess, staying the course. So in that sense, he may stay in there. But I, certainly, he will not. I, I can make this prediction. I, will, I don't think he'll be reelected in Anaheim. Uh, I think uh, he will not even uh, be renominated if he lasts that long. And I don't, I just don't know. I mean, every day we find that we're finding out something new and who knows how far back this goes. At some point it will become too much and it will become a distraction and it will begin to hit the bottom line. 
And when it hits the bottom line of the SBC, that's when people really start caring. Yeah, um, that's so. I, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you are. I I, I could be wrong. I, I thought that um, there was going to be a lot more angry conservatives at the last convention that would kind of overturn things uh, potentially. But um, there is that the swamp is deep, <laughs> and um, so we'll see. I guess what happens if he does not resign, if he just refuses, and the wagons are circled, and he's entrenched as uh, the leader. How should churches think about that? Because in my mind, that's like we're really on the knife's edge right now. If he resigns, Lee Brand takes over. Maybe there's an opportunity there. If he doesn't resign and the swamp just gets, you know, even more ingrained that this is how we do things in the SBC, that will prove to you that there are not, there really aren't men of character at the top levels. What is Jason Allen, the only guy who's really spoken up about this? I mean, if no one else comes forward, um, what do you make of the SBC? Do, do you uh, put a, a gravestone on it? <laughs> well, uh, if there is not a decided push amongst a broad, a broad uh, grouping of Southern Baptists, yeah, you can, you can just go ahead and start engraving the, uh, the tombstone. I, but I think there, I think there will be. Uh, blatant lying, blatant stealing, it's just, it's a bridge too far. People are not going to be able to tolerate that and explain that to their churches. Because for the first time, this is the thing I think that should give us all hope. People are standing up to the woke leadership, wherever they are, whether it's at McLean Bible Church, where David Platt is in the fight of his life, um, because people don't like the woke social justice heresy that they're getting. The Southern Baptist Convention was deeply divided. Again, it, the entrenched bureaucracy was able to mobilize their vote and get people to turn out. Um, that may not always be the case, particularly after we find out a lot of things in this coming year. And this is where conservatives have some hope. What else, what's next in the Linton scandal? What happens uh, when Will, the Will McRaney case gets to depositions? Because we all know when they're... The, the corruption in the Southern Baptist Convention, the bad conduct, mostly centers around the North American Mission Board. So who knows what will come out when they get to dip, depositions. And we're getting closer to that day by day uh, with after McRaney's win at the Supreme Court. There was a new story. It's been so busy. I haven't even been able to, to, to come out and write about it. But there was a new story that came out uh, regarding the... Um, uh, other bad conduct by Zell against another state executive. So there's a lot here. Uh, people are talking. We may be in a scandal that is so big that it does shake the foundations of the Southern Baptist Convention. But that may be the hand of God. It may be God judge, putting some judgment down, disciplining the church for allowing such bad behavior through its leadership, both locally and in the denominational hierarchy. Well, tell us a little bit about, uh, you, you mentioned David Platt um, and being, he's in the fight of his life, you said. So you have Litton, you have David Platt, uh, I guess J.D. Greer, I don't know who else, but who, who right now, what kind of, I don't know, scandals for lack of a better term, but just what situations are going on that could really bring down some of these SBC elites that you're referring to? Well, I, I think one thing that needs to be, that's happening kind of 
they're all all these scandals are happening happening concurrently. Um, the, there's a big division at, at McLean Bible Church uh, in Virginia. It's a very it was a very large church. David Platt's social justice stuff is forty percent drop in attendance. Uh, people are are angry. This I think provides a model for concerned people in their local churches is if they want to start fighting against their woke pastor. These guys in Virginia are showing the way. It's, uh, I'm not going to go ahead and say it's completely like a shot heard around the country in terms of these churches, but it's, it's something that woke leadership should start to fear. So I, I think as that develops, I mean, I'm working on an article now. What, what David Platt, had, he lied multiple times in his sermon um, Sunday. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm working on an article going through that. This guy is, is, is motivated by power and wants to cling to it. It's the same things motivating Ed Litton. It's the same things motivating uh, most of these seminary presidents and other SBC elites. And so I think chipping away in multiple, like think of it in terms, if you want to think of it like a battle or war, it's multiple theaters of operations. There's local churches, there's the denominational stuff, and we have to chip away at all of it. And the great thing is that it's not a movement of one individual led. It's a grassroots movement throughout evangelical churches, whether they're Southern Baptists or not. And that's one of the funniest things coming out of the, the situation of McLean. Uh, they uh, are showing as a Southern Baptist church, they gave money to the cooperative program. And, but yet they said they're not, David Platt said, they're not associated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Yet they planted 43 Southern Baptist churches through their church planting network in partnership with the North American Mission Board. There's a lot of money and there's a lot of, um, just, it's just odd that the way that these churches and these elites are doing things. And I think that's what should give everyone hope. It's being revealed. These people are finally being held accountable and uh, who knows where it's going to end up tomorrow. Wow. Well, there's something to pray for, for sure. Um, that the eyes of people would be further opened, that God would grant conviction, that those who are uh, pharisaical or just uh, opportunists would be thoroughly exposed and leave, vacate the denomination. Um it's just, I wasn't expecting this. I know you weren't, uh, I'm sure most people probably weren't, but, um, but you know, it, it's out there. It's there's, there's movement going on that, that w was, we were not expecting. So, uh, let's just keep this in prayer, uh, for people who, uh, appreciate what you do and getting this information to people like uh, myself and others who are interested in it, uh, where can they go to support your work? Or, I mean, I know that capstone, is there like a donate tab there or, uh, there's not. Uh, maybe I should look into putting something up. I, I hear that there's a lot of good options out there in that, but no, we we're just pretty much uh, have been ad supported. Uh, uh, but um, it's it's just something that we've. Um, so go click on an ad. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that will get me in trouble with Google. If I encourage people for that. No, 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 no. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but at some point we may, may consider doing it because there, there are just so many stories to tell. Um, I, having been in um, newspaper publishing and, and print publication uh, most of my adult life, 
Um, it's I'm stunned by how much news is here right now. There are too many things to tell. And every day there's like five or six more things. You just go down that list. And at some point you need to hire a staff to get people uh, to get all the stuff covered. And that's just how uh, how much is going on. And I think there's a great interest out there amongst the public about this. Finally, they're learning. And I think most people, even though in our groups online that were, were educated about critical race theory and the like, I think a lot of people who even who went to Nashville were just, they didn't know. They, they, they thought Ed Litton was a nice guy. Well, that was an act, we find out. Uh, it, he's really apparently not. It certainly is not qualified to be a pastor or the SBC president. So I think that's one of the things that all of us, the things that we do, what you do, what so many other websites and podcasts do is educating people. Because that's the only way we're going to make a difference uh, in the SBC or in, in evangelical churches in, in general. Well, uh, Alan, I appreciate your time. I know you got a lot going on and you got to write an article, it sounds like, um, about this uh, Ezel uh, situation. But um, God bless you, and uh, we'll keep our eyes on things and maybe have you back on when things change. So thank well, you. Well, I appreciate it, enjoyed it, and look forward to it. Take care. All right, God bless. Bye now. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.